This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score, number two for him! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery and this week myself and Luke sat down with Connacht flanker Jay Keenan. During the discussion we touched on Connacht's transition from Patlam to Kieran Keane, Luke's issue with the residency rule and Jake's journey from troubled teenage years in New Zealand to being a professional rugby player in Ireland. I think you really enjoyed and here's our discussion. Delighted to be joined live in studio this week by Connacht flanker Jay Keenan. And Jake, I was delighted to have you on for a couple of reasons. I know your story is quite interesting. The Connacht team over the last few years have gone through a lot of changes, a lot of a lot of positive changes. And also we were getting a bit of grief on Twitter, Luke, that we hadn't done enough Connacht rugby. So lo and behold, the perfect opportunity to have someone in the studio. So Jake, thank you so much for coming in this week. Lovely. No, thanks, Will. Thanks, uh, Luke, for having me. No, mate, delighted to, to have you. And I think uh, as we were talking about before we got on air, it's nice to... I suppose hopefully get a bit of conversation going, get the get the conversational juices flowing. I think that's the idea here. Um, <laughs> okay, that's an unusual. No, way it to is. Start but off. I, no, I think look, I, we don't want it to be too. Well, I think obviously we, you obviously would like people to probably get to know you a bit here. We'd like to get to know you, so hopefully we, we do that. That's the job here. Will. Yeah, well, another, one thing I also like to get to know is I suppose the Connacht setup this year. Kieran Keane, obviously in this part of the world, mightn't have been as well known as Pat Lamb, who obviously played for mm-hmm. Northampton against Munster back in the day. Um, what can you tell us about what he's brought to the setup? I think for me and Luke, I think the most we've seen of him is that interview we did uh, with Sky Sports, Graham Simmons, where, like, I don't know if he's like that on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> yeah. you got to give us some clarity here, mate. <laughs> oh, no, look, uh, KK's a character, eh? He's, uh, he's definitely a character. He's he's a great rugby brain, you know, I, I think, and, and I think his best attributes are definitely, in, you know, behind closed doors and inside and... Um, a great wealth of rugby knowledge, which which we're very fortunate to have. Um, definitely a character. I think he's a pretty old school type of a coach. Um, but you know, I, I think a lot of the things he's implementing, we're kind of we're starting to find our feet on. You know, I was just speaking uh, earlier about you know when I first arrived and Pat Lamb was first here. I think we were one and eleven to start the season. That was against Zebra at home, first game of the season. So these sorts of things. You know, these new games, obviously you know yourself, they take time for everyone to, I suppose, to collectively get a feel for it, for, for the team to settle itself in. So I think Joe Schmidt had a fairly dodgy start with us. He's he's pretty good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. It might yeah. have been one in 11, but he definitely yeah, but it, do. do you know what? That's an interesting point because as I, like I was so I was saying there, I don't know who who, who we had on, we were talking to about it, probably Rory actually, uh, colleague Rory O'Connor, and we were, um, I, I think my, my first impression of that interview, I was saying like, as a player, like you, like regardless of how things are going, you, like you'll know how good a coach he is behind the scenes. Yeah. But when you see that, you're like, please just calm everyone down. Tell them there's a plan. Give give us some information. And I know at times some of those Graham Simmons interviews can be a little. And if you're probably you know he's just off the back of a tough loss, mm. they're tough to do. But I suppose I liken it a bit to a guy who I thought was a brilliant coach, is Matt O'Connor, and I just thought he didn't deal with the media very well. He didn't enjoy it. He didn't have many friends there. And on off the back of it, you need to make a few friends there. You do, uh, and I think you need someone batting for you, you know, so you can you know get your ideas across. Say, look, there is a plan here because players and fans alike and supporters, sorry, like they want to know who's the, the guy who's steering the ship is is a calm guy and is saying, look, look. You know, he's delivering good messages to the yeah, guys behind what closed doors. What was he doors. saying behind closed doors? Was he was he was, did he talk clipped? behind closed doors? <laughs> yeah, yes. look, oh, yeah, and I suppose probably a bit of that shock comes from having Pat Lamb the past, 
you know, the past three, four years where, you know, he's been such a big personality. He's he's worked with the media, you know, really closely. So that was probably a bit of contrast. He's super engaged. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what he's all about, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, so no, look, and, and again, you know, the, the issues were addressed uh, in the changing room and, and they were addressed on the Monday and then we, we park that game, we move on, you know. So no different to, you know, any camp you would have been in. Essentially, that's the most important thing. Of I, course, I, I, yeah, I understand yeah, that. Yeah. It's more I'm thinking like you just need to, like you need to start off strong with the media as well like you need to say yeah. look and I think being you know up front which Pat Lamb was very good at because you can obviously you know he had a difficult start himself as well Yeah. but I think that he remained open and, and still gave good interviews Yeah. Uh, even when times are going tough because people understand like it's a tough job being a head coach and implementing new ideas when people have come from a coach who's so settled for two or three years there. Yeah, the team gotten used right. to that they play a certain style and then you got to change I think like you know it is. it's great to hear that he has the players backing but I always think important that he notes that you know you, you, things can turn on you very quickly outside the setup and you yeah, do need to try right. and arrest some control back there you know what i mean do you yeah. get what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. make any sense making any sense yeah or? no big time yeah. and has he tried to make a lot of changes to the way connect have been playing in your opinion i guess because pat lamb had done it a certain way would you say kieran is continuing on from that or kind of changing things so yeah, it looks similar but different. I think the the idea that we want to score tries, we want to be playing a, a very open brand of rugby, has has stayed the same. Um, KK's philosophy is is a lot more around heads up rugby. It's it's you know slightly less around structure and and more about boys getting out there and and sort of having fun and and enjoying themselves doing their thing a bit more. So um, yeah, look, I think a lot of the skill set is the same. A lot of the you know it, it's still we're trying to play very quickly. We're trying to. Um, trying to win our collisions and, and then trying to beat teams with the spaces so you know similar but different I think because ideally you'd like to think that a lot of the kind of the groundwork has already been put in with this team yeah. especially skill wise like I know Dave Ellis was big for Huge, the yeah. development of the skills especially amongst the forwards yourself I'm sure has improved immeasurably so ideally you'd like to think that a new coach coming in would be able to piggyback off the work that's already been done and get up to speed quite quickly yeah look I, I think a lot of the skill has been there for you know from the years and it's just it's just a different way of implementing it, you know, whereas, you know, one coach might want you to to sort of stop to throw a ball back, another coach might want you to keep running and try to throw it a bit longer and, and sort of adapt on the fly and those just little sorts of things. So just that teasing period, I think, where where you move from one way and, and just to a slightly different one is, you know. A small change like that can be really difficult to implement. Oh, big time. I mean, like, amazing, time. especially, look, guys are tired trying to, trying to implement them. You've become almost, like, especially, I think, what was so impressive about that Connacht team that, that won the Pro 12 was that they were just programmed to play this way, and they just were backing themselves to do this. But, like, you get ingrained in that, and, like, when you're tired, you, you always resort back to your, your habits, and yeah. the habits that Pat would have created, I think, and Dave Ellis obviously had a big impact as well. Like there's small little things like that. Like for example, I presume I mean that that forward play that 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 Connacht you know became so so kind of renowned for. Muldowney, I think Ali, Ali, Ali Muldowney, so I think good. yeah. Well, it's, and it's it's the habits of the players around you yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. If you're pulling a ball out the back, one ten, you know, might mm. be just behind you, whereas another one might like to go a bit. You know, those sorts of things. So just settling into the team, and and I think like you say, we you know that's where we were that year was we we had sort of those relationships within the team that. It was just clockwork, you know. Yeah, well, it, it's look, it was it was bloody hard to play against. Especially yeah, what was on the it, like, it was like uh, preparing for that Pro Twelve final well, because I guess for most of the season people were waiting for Connor to fall down. Like they surely can't keep us up in them the whole the, season. Yeah, like yeah. I backed against them pretty much every week until the yeah. semi final stage when Thanks, I. Mate. I, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he lost his money, so got yeah, board, he, he yeah. got paid back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so what, so when you were going into that final, what kind of things were you looking at? Well, we actually were trying to put some kind of um, uh, like we were trying to put some pressure. Um, you know, by staying together. But like, what was really hard to defend about it was that guys like Ali Mult, like he, uh, he seems to have been a bit of a loss. And I think probably the the idea would have been to have had like an alternate Delan probably filling that role. But yeah. I suppose due to injuries, like no fault of his own, he hasn't really been able to get into the team regularly enough to I suppose because well, that's Ellie, a job. Ellie was very special with that job. I'd... Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. His decision making. You, you wouldn't really very see a second role. But listen to those passes on the line with. Yeah. Like, they're, like, oh. That's pressure. And every week teams know it's yeah. going to him. And, and he, he, like he was yeah. a class, class act. I have to say now, that, like, you know, he's a hard guy to replace. But I do think the personnel is there to replace him. You just need guys, because like, I really rate Alton Delan. I think he's a really special athlete. Um, and he's going to be a really good player. But he needs, like, you know, I know myself very well. Like, injuries can really 
I suppose they can stunt your growth a little bit as a player and he needs to get playing some games and, and I think he has the potential to do that job for you but um, tough to play against that system because like, if you're on the wing especially I mean you know if guys on the inside the tendency after a while is for line speed especially if you're trying to you know defend against that is for line speed to just slightly taper and Connacht were playing that way no matter what all day and if you slipped extra guys into the line they were going to kick and kick well to guys who were left on their own like they played it really really well the decision making was excellent but very difficult on the wing very lonely place at time because if someone makes a, a bad decision on the inside which can happen against guy because yeah, like yeah. the good the, the thing as well that you, you have to realize as well when you have a guy like Ali Muldowney and you play with him for long periods of time uh, and Jake you touched on it there as well the positions of guys outside guys like Ali Muldowney they change because you're expecting a pass from if you're not expecting yeah. a pass from someone you're saying oh well I got to get in that rook I'll you know I'll, I'll take a half a second of a, of a break here I'll get a little bit tighter and, and save myself the extra bit of running distance which actually really affects defensive positions so like they, those kind of things are really important things to consider and we got that really wrong on the day we had a plan and never really stuck to it and once the line speed started it started slipping off slightly we never like, were able to put any it, pressure it on was, and never able to hit Connor it, it was your, the game. it was your last game so I don't want to be too too harsh but they I was at the match myself like Connor really did tear Lancer apart that and when you uh, look at the two team sheets, like but, you would have maybe thought going into it, the Lancer. They did a really good job on us down in the sports grounds that year as well. I know it was a really tight game, but they held onto the ball. 7 mil, I think. Or yeah, seven no, three, it was, seven, seven, was it 7 yeah. it was really, It could have even yeah, been close. I lost like that game as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think like they were the best like the best team. They were the best team it, from start to finish. And they beat well, Glasgow twice, who were I, a really good I team. I think as if well. we, we, we fell away a little bit in the winter. And I think that's when we, you know, a, a few Junos got on our back a bit and, ah, look here, you know. The world, it's going to fall the apart world cup, or whatever. The World yeah. Cup was the, was the big, you know, was the Connacht Rugby scapegoat, is that we we took off early because we didn't lose many players to the World Cup. So we were going into the winter leading the table. And then, um, you know, I think we dropped we dropped to Ulster. Uh, I can't remember. Might have dropped to Leinster in, in the RDS. Um, we dropped a few games. I think we were still top four, but... There was that sense that you know, look, Connick started well. World Cup's over. Big boys are back. You know, they're they're out of their depth. And the same thing happened um, at the tail end of the season. We we had Glasgow at home last game of the season, and look, great season for Connick. But you know, this is a, a Glasgow team full of internationals. You know, they they won't get through this one. And and sure enough, we we played well and got through that. And ah, look, Glasgow will learn. They'll come back. This is finals. Connick haven't played. That was kind of the message we were getting the whole way. So that was. I suppose part of what made that whole experience so sweet is, is even to that last day, we were never really given a chance to win it, you know, and um, for was, everyone to click was... It was probably your most sustained run, you know, of fitness as well, was, you know, in, in terms of yeah. form, fitness, it all came together for you as well, so that must have been particularly satisfying. Yeah, well, that was, see, I was out, um, you know, what was I out for? It was 11 months since I'd last played that January, um, I'd had... Sort of three shoulder reconstructions, all the same shoulder over same shoulder over two years. Yeah, I, I went into my last surgery, um, and before the surgery, Doc said he'd you know he'd he'd write me off for um, you know to finish up if 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 I wanted didn't to. Work and, out. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, even before the surgery, he said, look, it's you know. Um, and was that a consideration? Not really, you know. If you know yourself, you you're given a chance, you have a crack. But then you know, even before the surgery, he said, look, it's it's thirty percent chance you won't be able to play again when you when you wake up. Um, surgery all went really well. And how do you go into a sur- how do you go into a surgery when you're given that news? Oh, it's yeah. pretty grim, mate. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've had a yeah. few of them. It's not great. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, uh, just yeah, yeah. Put, three of those <laughs> put me to sleep already. Yeah, you know, yeah you, you know yourself. Look, they give you a chance. You take it. I mean, you know, look, I'm I'm grateful for every game of footy I get to play. And um, if my next game's my last game, I'll be very grateful for for the minutes I've played. You know, so um, ah, look, you know, he gave me a chance and. Fairness did a great job, and and you know, like you say, to to be a part of that team and um and go through to win that final is is you know that, that'll always be one of my most cherished moments. I think. Yeah, I guess like the team hit such a peak that day in the way they put Lance, pull Lancer apart. You know, eighteen months on, you know, Pat Lamb has gone, Robbie Henshaw's gone, Ali Muldowney's gone. You have a new mm. coach in. Arch McGinty's a bit of a loss. Uh, yeah, he, he had played Johnny Sexton that day. Believable final. Is, that little oh, chip through for us. Is Matt Healy's try in the second half? Yeah, it was yeah. A beautiful. Is there beautiful. a sense that the momentum, as well, that yeah. the momentum for you gained time. that year? Sorry, we were completely ruined. Do you want to start again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're just talking about the game here. Yeah. Go on, fire away, fire away. Is sorry. there a sense of all the momentum that was 
won that season. A, a bit of it's gone back now. It seem, kind of just seemed to have gone back into the pack again and are kind of struggling a bit. I don't think so. You know, like I, whenever we go and play or whenever you look at a season or games you're going to play, you know, I, I look at us as a championship team, you know. Um, and, and I think a lot of the guys do. John Muldoon definitely does, Bundyaki. So I think the, you know, those core leadership boys and especially the older boys, you know, they know what we're capable of. And, and I think we show that. That's the frustrating thing, you know. Is, is there's never a, a time, you know, over a, a stretch of games where we don't show that we're a championship team, you know, or, or a team worthy of being in the finals. It's just backing that up you know, week to week and, and being consistent and, 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 you know, and our performance consistent and winning, you know. Do you think, though, that that's the thing, like, uh, with the winning team, is that, like, obviously, or sorry, with a championship team, is mm. that the kind of consistency part it's is... It's a habit, isn't it? Well, I think it is. Like, for mm. me, that's a big part of it, you know. And, like, I mean, I suppose, not that I disagree, because I do think that the, the habits instilled are, are really good. And in fairness, you look at the results this year, like, it's some really tight ones against really, really good teams. So, yeah. like, it's cl- it's... Championship teams can have that. They can have times where they're, you know, something, just something not clicking. They have a new yeah. coach, maybe new ideas, not fully implemented, whatever it may be. How close do you feel like, like you are to getting, say, back to that or getting back to that place where you, you are a championship where you're competing for for the title at the end of the season? Yeah, I, I think in terms of our gameplay, we're close, but, but it is that habit, you know. I think you make a habit of winning the same way you make a habit of losing, you know, and, and unfortunately a little bit, you know, we, we're just losing these games very narrowly. So... If we can just we can just get over that hump, I think you know that uh, that win we had on the weekend, you know, although wasn't against the full strength uh, on our team, you know, that's the sort of momentum we can build. You know, we've got to see another big one at it out at the sports ground this weekend against Worcester, and if we can just rack up a couple of W's and and hopefully we we can take that you know that momentum and and build that into a winning habit. What has it meant for you for Pat Lamb to to be gone now? Obviously, he was the guy who kind of brought you over over here he's been a big part in your career personally professionally what has it meant for you for him to be gone now oh look I'm, I'm really enjoying learning you know a new style of game I think that's been one thing um Pete, Pete Wilkins has come in uh defense coach was with Edinburgh he's fantastic um obviously KK's very knowledgeable uh plays different sort of rugby you know lots of things are different for me so I suppose just coming into this season it's, it's trying to be a sponge and just trying to take in everything you can and, and just build that toolbox of of skills I guess uh, moving forward to, to try and be a you know a better more complete sort of rugby player so Pat might be able to get you some of that Bristol money as well if nothing else oh yeah <laughs> jeez. <laughs> jeez Will it's all, all about the Gee, money man yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought you said you were going to save the big ones till last yeah. month <laughs> that's what the whole interview is set up yeah, for yeah that's it and talking here with, with, with like uh, with your kind of shoulder injury like look maybe this is maybe just a personal question not, may, no one else might be interested the in injury forum but how do you like I mean is it is it a, a struggle every day do you have to take I presume you have to take extra time to look after it extra physio extra do you, like what's the routine like for it uh, and, and, how, and how are you feeling now are you feeling good feeling Feel like good. You're, yeah. you're ready to do a season, you know, like barring something yeah. unlucky. Yeah, look, well, you know, last season I, th- I think I sprained my ankle and and that was about it, you know. Mm-hmm. So so it's been a while now since I've had any issues with it, yeah. but it is. It's you know, if not daily, very close to daily maintenance, mm-hmm. just stabilisation. Nothing different than I think every player does, but just more of it, more of it, you know, yeah, consistently. Yeah. Um, yeah, physio, you know, just to loosen it out, like like any. Um, you know, structure that's a bit damaged. It just it likes to get a bit tight at times. So, just keeping that out. But but fortunately, it's you know it's not an AC. It's not a contact injury. So any any straight contacts to the shoulder are, are fine. It's it's only been when I've been Horton caught for a flanker. Well, yeah, <laughs> allegedly. Um, just when I've been caught in awkward positions and breakdowns, that's that's what's that's done. That's the it. awkward one. You so, feel a bit vulnerable. Yeah. yeah so look, I've, I've slightly changed. Um, you know my my jackal technique just to sort of turn my hand in just to keep my shoulder a little bit oh, a little yeah, more protected yeah, very interesting. rather yeah, than yeah. you know putting it Running out there reach. yeah putting it out and putting my hand on top of a ball kind of thing that's when someone could come down and hit it so trying to trying to get out and scoop it back in is it hard to rewire your brain like that if you're used to hitting rooks a certain way clearing it out a certain way oh look when you when you get told your career's close to finishing <laughs> you you learn pretty quickly so uh initially it was you know and i think when i hurt my shoulder the first time and you know all I, look, coming back i'm gonna play rugby you know this is this is fine now hurt it and you're kind of like all right and then you know, nah, we're back now, we're good, we're going to, you know, and then you do it again, you're kind of like, right, you know, what are we... What are we going to do? Go and see I, Dave Allison, right, mate, what are we going to do about this? So, um, But, mate, I feel I feel great now, and I don't think that it's, it's hurt 
my ability to jackal it's you know just like anything just been a skill i've need to rewire yeah it's interesting yeah. Yeah. going back to i suppose earlier in your career i know you were a captain of the all blacks in the 20s um like what was it like you know mixing it with some of the top players in new zealand at the time like any big names that you would have been peers with or did Besides your time to name drop, is it? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I'm just curious. But... Who do you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, you know, I... <laughs> Pretty much. And now, uh, it was an hour. I, I played with Charles Piertel a good bit back home. And, um, is, he, is he your age? No, he's a year older, but see, we, oh, were, we were in the academy. Older. <laughs> yeah. We were in the, uh, special the academy yeah. together. So he was a year older than me. Oh, um, okay. All right, Charles. Actually, I, I kept in the Auckland team. I was under 20s. And him, himself, and Stephen Luatua, had come back from 20s duty and played in the team and I don't know what I was doing. Given eh? the, the pre-match. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you boys, you boys <laughs> yeah. me Charles Fiatel uh, scoring six tries a game kind of thing. Yeah. Good work, mate. Jeez, man, he is some special player. That guy. Oh, yeah, he's uh, probably the best player in the Pro 14. Oh, uh, I'd say, yeah, hard to beat him. Definitely, yeah. Um, um, so, captaining an, an All Blacks team, team like, how, how does that come about or is, was the leadership a big part of your game? Or Yeah, I think at the time, um, you know, I, I was a co-captain of that team myself and Bryn Hall, I think he's the Crusaders scrum half now. He played uh, against the Lions. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So me and him were co-captains. He'd be a good mate of mine. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was. I, I took that year, you know, like it's, you know, very few people get the chance to represent their country and you get that opportunity. I was fortunate enough to, to play school uh, schoolboys, very luckily, very lucky, should I say, to play schoolboys. Um, so when that 20s year came around, you know, there, there was nothing, you know, I wasn't willing to do to make that team, you know, and so yeah, I actually, I gave up booze for the year, um, you know, and big and, sacrifice. Oh, look, looking back, I don't think I'll do it again. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was, it was everything on the line for me that year, you know, because it, 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 it might have been the last time I ever wear an international jersey, you know, so. Um, do you feel like, um I don't know how to really word this. I suppose, do you feel like, say, your experiences, um, I suppose the, the, all the experiences, all the kind of tough times um, that you've kind of documented kind of um, at home and th different things like that, would they sh do you think that shaped you to be a bit of a leader um, to a certain extent? Perhaps, or? yeah, perhaps. I, you know, look, I was always um, very fortunate with, with the family I had around me were very encouraging and, you know, like I was... I was never led astray by by my old man or, or my older brother, and you know, so so I was lucky to have those sorts of guys around me to to look after me. Um, even when I was when I was young, it's something you know. I don't know if it was just it was cool to be a captain, or, or mm -hmm. you know, in terms of speaking, I always wanted to be a a good speaker. You know, so those are things I've I've, I've tried to focus on. But um, you know, and I suppose I learned a lot of leadership thing. You know, leadership sort of roles from from my dad as well as. Is, uh, is is you know how to be a good leader mm. I, I suppose and um, and I think they're they're a lot more subtle than people think you know in, in terms of just going about your work and, and going about it as as well as you can so um, but yeah now to cut to come back to your question you know I, I think some of those things sort of build a you know a sense of of belief and in, in some terms you know in the way I I was able to, to sneak my way into a rugby academy and, and I was able to make a few teams you know that sort of built a bit of momentum in me that that I could do this probably and, a bit of resilience as well yeah you know look I worked with a, a couple of really good sports psychologists and hmm. you know guys you know who honestly if I hadn't met I don't think I would have achieved you know half the things I have you know just mm -hmm. just being able to, to think my way through the game um, so yeah I think I think all those little things add up you know hmm. yeah obviously you know All Blacks in the 20s Blues Academy I guess you know, I know you've documented before with the Tackle Your Feelings Train, uh, you know, program that you had, a, I guess, a tough enough teenage period, is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, yes and no. Look, look, it was it was tough, but I think a lot of kids, you know, a lot of teenagers do have their moments kind of thing. So, um, I was, Sounds like your moments were a little longer. Oh, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> a look, little tougher. At the same time, you know, like, yeah, look, I had my moments and I, I think I brought a lot of them on myself, you know, like I, I did some dumb, dumb shit in my time. But, um, but I always had... You know, I always had really good family around me, so I was never. You know, when when you look at kids who've had it really tough, you think of kids who, who have you know parents who've abandoned them. You think of kids who who haven't been brought up with, with a lot of love in their family and and extended family who care about them. Whereas see, I never. You know, I, um, you know, I have a very close relationship with with my dad and my older brother. We all grew up together on the farm, and uh, my nana looked after me for for a long time and was very good to me. So, in terms of you know tough moments, yes. You know, I, th I think a lot of people have them, but I had that core, which which you know made them 
I suppose, easy to get through. And for a time, you were kind of homeless. Is that what is that how you'd say? Yeah, well, like I'd, I'd moved out of my. Uh, I had an altercation at home, so I'd, I'd moved in with my nana, and um, I had an altercation there. So she didn't want me there. So I was, uh, I was sort of, you know, I was training in town, and I'd, um, I'd sleep in my car, and I would uh, try and sneak okay, in. So I'd say it was a bit of a toy squeeze, mate, was it? Oh yeah, it was a little, <laughs> little, really? <laughs> little uh, Holden Marina, wasn't the biggest yeah. car. But, uh, my mum was in Auckland at the time, so I'd, I'd head down there a bit. Oh, okay, and right. I'd stay at a few mates. I'd try and jump the fence into my girlfriend's house at the time. Which Travelling does that, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Until you get caught, you don't go yeah, back there. Yeah. So, um, was rugby was it good to have rugby at the time? I guess did it keep you kind of at least. On some sort of path that you were you were going for something. Oh, one hundred percent. You know that that was the, you know that was one of the big constants was this you know this big the dream I guess it was or even the culture that that I had in the rugby and um, that day to day you know it was something that I that I loved and it was something you know that I had a, an opportunity to to go a bit further in um, as well as I think I think having something to to give a lot of energy to a lot of positive energy to you know and instead of you know, going out on a Saturday night and looking for a scrap or something like that, you'd you could you'd play rugby and, and knock each other around a bit and you know, and that was that was a lot of your energy spent kind of thing. So I think I think that was a, a big one. I think that's an important one. And in terms of the goal you had, I think I read that you wanted to be the best player in the world. Mm. And when you were involved with the blues, did you ring John Kerwin up to talk about yeah, how well, you wanted to be the best player in the world? Yeah. That's, was the coach at the time. That's right. Well that was uh you know, I was working with a psychologist, David Galbraith and um he uh, he wouldn't settle for anything less. Eh? It's you know it's it's all or nothing. So that was the uh, you know that was the dream is, is that I you know I was I was going to be the best player in the world. So what does John Kerwin says say when he picks up the phone from a player who would he have known who you were? Oh god, no, no, I can't <laughs> imagine he would have. Um, oh look, and he was he was really good, you know, and that's what surprised me, it amazed me actually, because you know this psychologist had said to me, he said, look, your your talent, your ambition, it's only going to go as far as your courage, you know. So I remember we drew this little graph, and it it, it had you know, the two beside each other. Um, and the the fact was that you can only go as far as your courage allows you. So if you're if you're gonna be brave enough to call John Kerwin and tell him you want to sit down and play for his team, you know, that'll give you that gives you that more um that bit more that you could go that kind of way. So um so look he was actually he was very, very um inviting. He sat me down with all his staff and you know all this and sort of told him what I wanted to do. So um that was yeah, that was really cool I think. Would you have ever rang up Joe Schmidt and told him, Joe, I want to be the best player in the well, world? Well, I, I had the same, exact same goal written down um, from home, uh, my dad, you know, and then obviously I met Andy McNulty and I had the exact same thing written down. Um, and I said it in a few interviews and stuff, and I, I cringe a little bit now. When you were young, <laughs> you said I, it? No, I did, but I don't cringe. But I, look, but I, I think the, the really important thing is to never set, never let other people set the ceiling for you, you know. Um, and I actually, I... We, we were talking about it, I think, or I read it, maybe. Um, and it just really impressed me. I just think it's the only way to operate. Uh, yeah, to well, get the best out of yourself. Like, regardless of, like, that the hard thing is to get to really believe that and to be in positions where, you know, you have a, a run, um, you know, a run of games or whatever it may be. You're in a team that are going well and you actually get to do this thing to achieve this thing. But to go about your work every day and to try and be the best in the world like that's there's no better way to go about your, doing your job i don't think anyway i think like if you can let that seep into everything you do so every every single habit that you have um and you really believe that you can get to this place and you want to do everything everything you can to get to that place why why put a ceiling on it like always try and get to the best look even if look if at uh, worst case you fall short um you're still somewhere where you, you've still usually come to somewhere where you never thought you'd probably get to when you started out the journey making making this big plan so um i always encourage people you know whenever you're talking to kids or whenever you're talking to anyone else like go for go to be the best like don't go to be number two or don't go to be the best in your class go to be the best um and let that seep into everything that you do um, every single habit that you have I just think it's the only way to operate and to get the best out of yourself so it's still how you approach things yeah big time look and, and I think and you know yourself when you, you come into a game against a, a really quality opposition or another player you know I've been fortunate enough to play against uh, Terry Dusatoire twice since I've been over here and you know and I think if I went into either of those games thinking that he was the better rugby player than me I don't think I would have come out with the performance you know or as good a performance as I do you know and 
Um, you know, I'll never go into a game of rugby. You know, and, and you know, it's such a confrontational, such a man-on-man game. You can't go into a game thinking that someone else is better than you. And you know, what easier way to do that than than you know, you're the best player. You're going to be the best player in the world, or even any given day, you're the best player on that field. You know, and and you're a very. I, I find anyway that you're very hard to beat when you come in with that mentality. And you know, so. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely I, I agree with Luke. I think that's that's one hundred percent the way to go about your work. I think in in all sports, but in rugby, there can be a big fear culture, you know, mm-hmm. uh, fear of making mistakes, fear of um, playing badly or of losing, and and that's something I've I've worked very hard to get out of my game. You know, I'll um, you know, I'll, I'll never hold back an offload or or hold back a pass, or, or I'd like to think I, I won't hold back anything because I'm afraid to do it. You know, I, I like to. To back myself, you know, tell myself how good I am, and 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 back myself to to achieve what, whatever um, opportunities come about that day. There's a culture as well, though, in rugby of like not saying, not 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 like putting yourself out there. In certainly words in Ireland, anyway. Anyway. Yeah, I, I think oh, it is New a Zealand thing. Too. New yeah, Zealand yeah too. It, it is yeah. a thing. You know, like you want to be, and look, you do want to be viewed as humble. And there's probably like you know, is, is there much to be gained by? Saying this thing in in a, in a public spectrum. Then you're just England. They're probably yeah. <laughs> and who wants to be that? No, <laughs> but to be honest with you, like I do think that, um, like you know, there is there's probably a bit of both. Like I mean, I think like do you need to tell the world this? You you know you don't always need to, but I don't think there's a problem if you do. I would be definitely in that line of thinking. Like I love a Roy Keane mindset where like I, you know you don't need to be blowing yourself up, but I do think that. Saying that you really believe in yourself and you want to be the best, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that well, for me, you know. But well, we you, don't do it enough here. We well, don't do it. Well, enough. you were describing there, Jake. It sounds like the whole Connacht kind of team had to go through a similar mindset transformation when Pat came in. Like, you know, they were coming from a very low base, and by the time he left, mm. and certainly the Pro 12 winning season, the limits seemed to have been raised hugely. Yeah, 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 perhaps, yeah. And look, I, I can't speak for everyone, you know. I, I think some boys need that bit of a fear mentality to, to motivate them in that, but, you know, it's, it's just something personally. Um, for me, is is the way I like to play my game, I, I suppose. But do you get the nerves still? Do you like because I, I like? Do you get nervous? Um, yeah, yeah, nervous definitely. Uh, you know, when I actually played very within myself for a long period of time, actually, I think um, trying not to make mistakes, and there was a balance to be struck on that front. But that's that's probably a different conversation. But do you think that like? I suppose maybe I'm just talking about myself. But do you, do you feel the? Do you feel like there's? A fear, not not necessarily a fear of performing, but a fear of not producing your best. Do you get that? Do you get those nerves? Do you get those nerves? Like I, I, yeah. I definitely got those nerves. I never really had a fear of like opposition or or not playing, but a fear of not doing myself justice was something that probably tightened me up a lot. I, like I, I always felt I, I probably thought too highly of myself, but that was probably a thing. I, I wonder, mm. do you feel the same way at times? Do you, yeah, like, do you get that nerves about? I have all these plans. I have you know. I feel like I should be doing all these things. Uh, because of this is how much I believe in myself. Mm. And then, do you have those nerves? Yeah, you know, you obviously you, you still get the nerves. I, I suppose it's it's the way um, I try to direct them. Um, I think since I've been here, since since I've played professional rugby, I, I've learned a lot about myself as a as a person. Um, so for me, you know, I need to be very relaxed before a game. You know, I I need to try and you know, calm those nerves and, and, and just be myself. And uh, every week before I play, I, you know, I write down my key points. And my last one is always to have fun. Um, and that's something, for me, I find the more relaxed I am, the more I try to enjoy myself, um, the more aggressive I am, the more physical I am, and, and the more I get stuck in, which is, is a bit of a paradox when you kind of think about it. But that's, for me personally, kind of how I have to do things. So um, I remember I had a game, I think it was, what was it, Saracens, where we got thumped over there and, you know, I was I worked myself right up, and I was you know I was gonna go and I was gonna thump someone. It was gonna be you know <laughs> this almighty physical performance from Jake Heenan, and I was average. I was really average. You know, I I didn't get stuck in like I thought I would. Um, you know, my contact was was off, and and that was that was a day I learned a lot, and and I haven't done that since. You know, so for well, me, they always say that yeah. like the, the best shots you deliver are the ones that are relaxed. You know what I mean? Like, oh, and I think it's do funny. you think that's everyone though? I don't know. God, when you say that, I mean, I, I do think that, like, most people, you look at, like, 
other sports and you always talk about like i mean people who people who box always talk about mm. the best shots you deliver are the ones or like or are the ones when you're kind of relaxed yeah, the most powerful yeah. stuff happens usually when you're relaxed i so say you're a sprinter you know they say not to be too course, too kind yeah. of tight um you know when, when you think about um you know I, I always think that you're some of your best shots you need to be certain you need to be tight for some kind of parts of rugby definitely yeah. for the contact part but i think like when if you're calm I think especially if you're tackling, like if you're able to deliver the best shots I always think that you deliver are the ones where you're calm and you're you're I suppose you're close to the contact. You get your feet in good positions, you're calm and you're you're thinking about, Oh, I see a fan coming, I'm gonna knock that down. But you have to be calm to see those things. If you're too tight, I think, and you're too uptight. It becomes instinctual, doesn't it, when yeah, you're Yeah, but you're able to yeah. get to that that peak performance zone when you're just a That's little right. bit kind yeah. of calmer. I, it was I, it took me ages. Yeah, ages yeah. in my career to figure that out that's great yeah. you've done it so so early in yours you I had know? a lot of coaches these days I suppose relying less on those old motivational speeches though and being more kind of more analytical I guess and maybe not roaring beforehand so to get people in that kind of a I, I think there's probably been a move um, like some coaches I think will still do it um, I'd be interested to hear uh, Jake's take on that but for me I thought uh, the best coaches that, that I like I didn't need to be riled up for the game I wanted it I wanted mm. it really badly I was in a group of players that wanted it really really badly you're Whoever you think of, your Brian, I'll do the name dropping out this time, uh, <laughs> yes. Jake. Your your Brian O'Driscolls, your Paul O'Connells, whoever it is, your Ron O'Gars, your Johnny Sexton's. Like I was in groups of players that wanted it really, really badly, uh, and we didn't, and I didn't definitely need any coach to be roaring and shouting me. I wanted to get a guy who was calm on the on the on the touchline, who was calm before the game, going, "This is what we need to do to win. You deliver on these things in the game." We will win the game. And the rest of it, you know, you relied on the group to deliver on the physicality um, and to deliver on wanting it more and, 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 you know, what the group was about and what we, why we were here, who we were playing for. We relied on the group for that. Um, and we wanted our coach to coach us, to co tell us about rugby, to tell us at halftime, look, they're doing this. We need to do that to combat that. We need to keep going here. This is working well for us. Let's keep going here. That's what I wanted from my coach. And I think I think the best coaches do that for me personally. What works nowadays. for you, Jake? Yeah, look, I, I think the emotional side of the game is a personal responsibility. You know, that's mm -hmm. everybody's different and everybody, you know, kind of looks after the, after that themselves. Uh, and saying that, there's a time and a place for, for a coach to get stuck in or, or to, to wind you up um there's different personalities isn't there as well yeah like, I, I think i think it can be overused yeah. though you know if you get a coach who's who's yelling at you every second day <laughs> you, you you switch off pretty quickly you know i certainly don't react to that and but even things you know like uh like a, a a short highlight video of your team through the season before a game with a bit of music or every now and again the odd the odd emotional sort of pick me up before a game can be uh, i think it can be very effective hmm. if used uh properly but in general I, I agree I think the the you know tactical aspects of the game even technical brought on by the coach and I think the emotional things are, are personal yeah I guess it's time for the part of the podcast that maybe I'll call a bit shit stirring maybe you're really good at this Will keep going Don't so stop obviously now. you know Jake Keen Irish qualified flanker from New Zealand Luke Fitzgerald outspoken against the residency rule prior to the rule being changed They've to a five-year period I'm, yeah I'm very calm about things off the now, back of yeah. your advocacy I, yeah well, look. You know, so I don't know who should go first here. Do you want? Will I go first? <laughs> Please. Well, I'll jump right in. Please. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think I suppose that the thing for me, uh, and I was very clear about this uh, at the time, is that you know I play with loads of great players uh, who have foreign guys who've come in who've been big, uh, big helps to the team. They've come in. They've you know been part of the setup. They've really integrated really well, and I think um, you know that's going to be that's important for the game here that we get like the Doug Howlett's your Easton Asiwas your Jay Keenan's whoever it is you get these guys in and I suppose for me I, I was very cautious about and my view would be that I think Royal Rugby was diluting itself too much and I thought that you really damaged the game up here if someone comes like, like Gary Ringrose now could be coming through the setup um, since he's I suppose 16, 17 or maybe maybe even less and possibly Bundy Aki might be in this in, in the Irish team ahead of him and, and I suppose I my view on that would be I think it really damages the game up here. And now what I did say, and I did, uh, and I think it's not the players' fault. The players are going to play what they're going to play. If the opportunity is given to them to play international rugby, everyone wants to play international. Rugby. I play like Jared Payne. Uh, you know, he couldn't give any more in an Irish jersey. He puts his body on the line every time. CJ Stander as well. CJ Stander. All these so guys. So what would you say was, to the supporters then who really rally around a CJ well, they, Stander? Well, I think they feel like those guys, these guys are, are, are putting their body on the line and they've really integrated in well. 
my my issue was with the IRB, um, which I was very clear about at the time, and I do think they've they've rectified that. I think three years isn't enough. Uh, I think it, it can damage the game up here, especially if we have small playing numbers here. Um, uh, you know, the likes of Scotland as well, they have small playing numbers. And if I was coming through an academy for since I'm 15 years old, and someone comes in and just, you know, has no connection to the island, has no family here, uh, comes in for three years and all of a sudden takes my place, I think it devalues the playing for your country. And I don't like, and part of the, part of the reason I think about that is that I do feel like, you know, rugby is about, like, we're trying to make this a worldwide game. You know, we want, and I think I, I see what, what goes on in, in the Pacific Islands. And I know they have lots of family in New Zealand, Australia, but I do think what happens there is sad for the game. I do think that we're missing three, what could be three real powerhouses. And I think it's on the rest of us to to bring countries like that on. And I think it's, it's on us to, you know, certainly not to close uh, our shores to people coming in and adding value and, and becoming part of the setup and feeling Irish. We don't want to shut that off to anyone. That's not the idea. But the idea is to not make it a three-year thing where it's just two, you know, people come in and straight away, you know, they're not even sure if they're going to take a contract in France because this, you know, because oh, you know, I might be able to play for Ireland and it becomes a kind of money thing. And I think that's that's that was my issue. I think you, aside from protecting the young guys coming up through the system when we have small playing numbers, you want to keep people interested. So they were the the, the key issues that I have with that. It'd be interesting to hear. Would the lure Jake's for you, Jake, be playing international rugby for SOP, playing international rugby for Ireland, playing international rugby for New Zealand? Where would you weigh in on, on that or what Luke said? Yeah, well, look for me. Look, I was twenty one years old without a fully professional contract so for me it was you know this was an opportunity to play fully professional rugby and you know I, I kind of avoided the the international thing um, especially in the media but you know uh, to be the best player in the world for me it was to be playing you know against the best players to be playing on the biggest stage so you know international rugby was it was definitely that for me and um, and and I had a, you know there was an opportunity in Ireland to do that so that was all part of of my development so but you know look I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying um, an interesting one I was, I was thinking about earlier is, uh, what, what's your take on say a, a person who is Irish qualified through say a parent or, or a grandparent um, but has, has spent say no time in the country or might spend six months playing in the country and then plays for the country say uh, and pale uh, well yeah mate of mine in the UK yeah, yeah well yeah. I, you know mate of mine who I played 20s with Hugh Blake um, you know, a handful of caps for Edinburgh, and he, he was in the Scotland team. You know, what, what's your take on that? Opposed to say someone like myself, or, or like Bundy, or, or CJ, who did the three years. Yeah, it, it, you know what? It's a really difficult question to, to answer. You know, I think, um, I suppose the viewpoint I'm coming from, like, I, I would be if I was in a Scottish jersey, I'd be really disappointed to, mm. to have someone come in who hasn't been in the system, but. I suppose if if you've got a Scottish passport, if you've got an Irish passport, you are Irish, you know. Uh, that's what we're saying. That's why mm. we're giving out passports, and that'd be my view. And it takes five years to get a passport here, um, and I would think that you know if you got a passport, you're you're able to play. Um, but I think it you know it shouldn't be shorter than the the time it takes you to get a passport to yeah. play for the country, you know. And that yeah. and that would be my thing. And, and it's purely a protectionist point of view. And I know it's probably it's probably a little bit backward. And you look, we're in the EU, and everyone's allowed to move around and work in different places. And there's, uh, but I just feel like it's very dangerous. It's a dangerous, uh, I suppose, trend that was happening in world rugby. That. Um, you know, I just think it, it kind of devalued all these academy systems, all these great things, all these young guys coming up through the system and saying, well, you know, why would I bother going professional when I'm 18, 19? I take the risk of working all the way through the set of working my way eventually into a, a, a Connacht team, into a Lancer team, into a Munster team, into an Ulster team. And all of a sudden, at, you know, I'm just about to make my, my international debut and, uh, you know, say like a, I, I don't know, a CJ Stander comes in and takes my position, a, a Jay Keenan comes in and takes my position or... No, not my position. No one has an ownership of the position, but takes you know an opportunity, an opportunity possibly yeah, yeah. away from me. And, and like I said, to be very clear, I had no qualms about guys coming over and taking an opportunity that was there. It was an issue I had with the game as a whole, mm. uh, and I think a lot of other people felt the same way about it. Um, that you know, it was just something that needed to be tightened up. And I think you know, you like I said, you know, it's probably a good baseline is that if you can't get a passport, if it takes five years to come into a country and get a passport. That's probably the amount of time it should take you to be able to play for the country. But I think they've rectified that. They've decided that that's, that's something that is probably makes sense. Um, but lots of good people are going to get an opportunity who've only been over for three years. Um, and I don't, have a, I don't have a problem with that 
Uh, I don't have a problem with the guys personally, but I just think no, the rule needs. But I just think the rule probably needed to be changed, well, and I, just to protect the guys who were coming up through the systems. Yeah, I think five years is is a good period of time because you know you take away that ability to sign a guy to nationalise him. You know, it's very difficult to sign a five year deal. You Absolutely. know, for someone who's playing another country. Yeah. So, so I think yeah, I think it's good for that reason. Um, well, does it annoy you if you put in kind of a good, a four or five years, you've really invested in living in Galway, as I know you have, and then now you have people kind of questioning, you know, whether you should be allowed to play for the team if you're good enough and stuff like that. How do you feel about hearing that kind of criticism? Oh, look, like like anything that goes in, in a newspaper or on a podcast, you can't take it too personally. <laughs> we don't. It, no, you can't take it too personally, you know. I, I mean, these these things are said for a reason. So, um, look, I think, I think the argument for the project player is is what that individual has done to earn a jersey um, and, and what he's given back to the community, you know, and, and obviously CJ Stand is the, mm. the poster boy for that, you know, the amount of pride he's brought to Munster, the amount of pride he brought to Ireland when he played for the Lions. You know, I think it's hard to to say on an individual level, yeah, look, no, you can't do this because you, you weren't born here. You know, when, when he's, obviously he's, you know, settled in, to Irish life, he's committed himself, and he, even a guy like Bundy, you know, what he has done for for the west of Ireland, you know, you can't drive around the corner without seeing his face in Galway, and 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 I mean, he was, I would I would say one of the best players in the world when we won that um, when we won that final. Yeah. So I think there's that side of it too, and and what a player gives back to to a community. I guess well, some people want to know. I guess if you were standing, you know, wearing an Ireland jersey and the Irish national anthem was playing for your first cap, like what what would it mean for you? Would it couldn't mean the same thing as maybe playing for New Zealand? Obviously, yeah. Look, I, I'm not sure. You know, look, Ireland's been a huge part of of my growth as a person, and um, you know, and, and what I've learned over here, the people I've met, the the pride I have in, in I suppose Galway and Ireland. You know, so um, you know, I, I think I would be extremely proud to, to represent uh, Ireland it is a difficult one to say you know do you compare that to to New Zealand you know and um, it's a question I, I unfortunately I'll never be able to answer but um, you know look I, I would take extreme pride in it and, and I'd like to think that you know it's not a case of of I'm in Ireland you know I'm, I'm playing for Ireland what can I get out of this it's a case of you know this is my opportunity and in, in an internet you know in this this jersey what can I give to it you know how can I add to this jersey um, you know, bet on the day or, or whatever period you get, and and how much you can give back to it. So, I'd like to think that's the, you know, that's the take for for everyone who's you know been nationalised. But, but again, that's all on an individual level, and and I do I do agree. I think on the, um, you know, the the larger view, that it wasn't quite right. But I think on the individual level, you know, I don't think there are any nationalised individuals who you know who have played and gotten it wrong. I, th- I think like it's that's a, a good point. Like I think it's not a player issue. Like it's a governing body issue, and I think they've decided that they've made. Yeah, and, and Augustine Pichot as well was well was very outspoken mm. on this as well, and um, I think he was clear on that point as well. I think there's lots of good guys. I mean, you couldn't, you can't fault the guys for. Um, you know, for operating within the rules and, and taking it, like you said, an opportunity. Like this is mm-hmm. all part of your individual journey and CJ's individual journey and Bundy Aki's individual journey. It, there's no like, and they're going to take the opportunities, you know, that are in front of them. Um, and there's no issue with that. And that's just to be clear. Yeah. So I think that's it's a great point you make there. I think New Zealand's a, a different story again. You know, like with the, with yeah. the Pacific Islanders. You know, they've lots of family there. And New stuff, Zealand's one of the largest yeah. Pacific Island um, communities in the world. You yeah, know? yeah. There, there are a lot of you know third, fourth, fifth generation you know Pacific Islanders. So mm. so it's hard to say where you know like Malakai Fekito was another good friend of mine. Yeah, and yeah. He, he came over at sort of 16, yeah. 17 and, um, and became nationalised in New Zealand, but he had family in New Zealand. And Look, I, I, I understand. You know, I Listen, I get that. I suppose I'm more thinking of a that's more a different, kind of... A different yeah, you know, you just case, think, like, I suppose at a World Cup, like, and I, I think, I always think they get a raw deal. There, there's fixture list at the last World Cup. The Pacific Island fixture list was shocking at the last World Cup. Um, and I know they don't get the same viewing numbers for the games and different things like that, but... Those nations being strong would be great for world rugby. There'd be three more huge fixtures but with brilliant rugby players. That's like, on them as well, though. You know, like oh, I, I have a rest, lot of good yeah. mates who who yeah. won't go and play for those. You know, for specific hey, reasons. Look, I suppose, you know, look so. there, there is a money issue there. I suppose that's kind of part of what I'm what yeah. I'm saying is that like you need to provide some kind of or help with some kind of infrastructure. I think there's a responsibility on us up here. Um, you know, all around the world to to try and provide an infrastructure where we can integrate these teams into big competitions. I know they're in the Pacific, they're in the kind of an Asian 
um, slash American competition, aren't they? With uh, I think they have some kind of competition. I, look, it's terrible. I don't know that, but like it would be great to have these teams integrated a bit more into. I suppose we look at all the quality. Look, I mean, you look at Nadal on the weekend. You look at oh, Tamani on the weekend. Guys yeah. like that who are, they have Pacific Island origins and they're yeah. like unbelievable rugby players. And like I say, in East Tennessee with guys like that, I mean, they're all they were some probably three of the best players on the pitch um, last weekend. And you know, you think of all the talent all around the world um, that that you know guys playing in in, in different play in in different countries. And I just think it'd be great to see three other countries. I suppose because yeah, rugby is a small yeah. community. You probably have. 10 really good countries that played very seriously maybe a few more but it would be great to expand it um, and I think that's a way of doing it just before we finish up Jake I guess we've talked a lot about the kind of the past and the present of Connacht for yourself you know you've been in Ireland for a couple of years now what what, what do you see your future here I know are you, you're injured at the moment when, when's your kind of return to play or, or how long do you, do you plan on maybe staying in Ireland yeah I, I did my uh, my medial there a couple of weeks ago so I'll be another sort of three four weeks getting back from that not a major um, yeah, look, I, look, I'm not too sure to be honest. What, what my future holds, I've, um, you know, look, I love Galway as, as a place. The people have been very inviting. My uh, my manager Shay Livingstone here has been very good to me. So, um, you know, I, I've really enjoyed that community. You know, I've, I've made lifelong friends, and and uh, as you do in, in rugby, but um, but you know, I, I, I suppose I, I'll keep an open book from here. You know, I, I would have uh, would have really liked to have gone on the summer tour. Um, with Ireland and, and it didn't work out um, so look I, I think I'll keep an open mind as as to, to what my future holds for me you know I think you know if if and when I do leave Connacht it'll be very tough for me it'll be tough to leave Galway and um, and some of the people and, and the place so um, in all honesty mate I, look I, I couldn't tell you what I'm going to be doing tomorrow so I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing in the future <laughs> Rehab, years mate. <laughs> uh, yeah. life's interesting that way you know keep it keep it fresh so um <laughs> So look, you know, look, I'll, I'll keep an open mind and um, and just sort of see how things work out and, and go with the wind a bit, I guess. Well, Jake, thanks so much for coming in. We really appreciate it. Thanks. For yeah, it. thanks a million. Honestly, it was because uh, that's a that's a tough discussion point for for a lot of players coming um, coming from abroad. And and like you said, when you integrate, you have the Donald in, Trump of rugby here. Donald, you know, yeah, trying against, to build a wall, trying to build a wall arguing against um, inclusiveness in the uh, modern that game. That is absolutely not what I'm advocating. But look, mate, it's it's Brilliant. great to have you on the show. Uh, we'd love to have you on again. Hopefully, um, if you if you'd like to come on towards the end of the season, it might be after a good run, possibly into some playoffs. If if things if Kieran if KK as you say could turn things around. So uh, best look the rest of the season and the rehab. I've had. Two or three of those medials are a quick fix, mate. You'll be fine. So uh, best luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very much, gentlemen. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast. But until then, you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud or independent.ie. But until then, thanks for listening and goodbye.